Hello, my friend. I'm Avika Paras, host of The Decisive Life and founder of Ethics for Work and Life. And I'm honored to be your decision coach today to help you become a better person by making better decisions every day. I believe that we arrive at crossroads, we face dilemmas, we get at decision moments for a reason, and it is up to us to face them with serenity and courage and most of all, gratitude. Now I want to give you my strategy, my tips, my three tips in making right decisions. So I start without any presumption that you are listening to someone who makes and implements perfectly right decisions all the time. Even if I myself don't like someone who is so perfect. I heard these unforgettable words, and in Spanish it says, La doña perfecta es insoportable. So translated in English, the perfect woman is unbearable. 25 years after hearing that sentence, I still remember it. So the impact was great, and it reminds me not to appear perfect because I'm not. But if I could help inspire others by not being perfect, why not? Now let's tackle the question of the day. How do you make the right decision? I Google search a dilemma that we could use today, and I found this two-option dilemma within a story about a man walking in the desert and really almost dying of thirst. So a word of caution here, I am using the story to come up with a decision tree and to draw decision lessons from it. As it is, right now, the narrative has helped millions to improve the way they deal with their choices, and I congratulate the source for all the help that he has given to humanity. What I am going to do is to extend the narrative to a decision case study. So the story is about a man who got lost in the desert, and for several days, walking without water, he did not lose hope. He kept on walking, and suddenly he found a small hut. It, unfortunately, did not have water source. But the man found a bottle filled with water with the instructions. You have to use this water to start the pump. And don't forget to fill the bottle when you're done. So the dilemma is here. If he follows the instructions and the pump does not work, he throws away all the water that he has and he might die after pumping the water to no avail. According to the story, the man takes a leap of faith, uses the water to pump so much water for his needs, and he was able to refill the container, and he was able to add in his own handwriting to the original message, he wrote, believe me, it works. So the moral lesson is, if you take a risk and the instruction works, then you save your life, and you get to tell the people that it works. If it does not work, then you can share the experience to still help others make the right choice. Now let's tackle the dilemma mentioned in the story using a decision tree. If you are in the situation of the man in the desert, you will not really have the time and energy to do a decision tree. So I highly recommend that you get into the habit once you are now familiar with decision trees. While you are not in those life and death situations like the man in the desert, you will have more time and serenity. So it's like an exercise drill that you will find useful when you are going to make real hard and tough decisions later. So it's like a Practicing with a fire extinguisher, determining how to use it, knowing the parts so that in real situation of fire, you would know what to do really quick. I remember it's really how business schools that teach using the case method accomplish the maximum results in their students who really improve in making decisions. 
As a student myself in one of the business schools that learned from Harvard using the case method, I fell once into that desperate attempt to prepare for a case discussion, doing it very fast and rationalizing by saying, you know, in real life, I would not have the luxury of time to do any decision tree. So I will do this fast in five minutes. I have other things to do. But of course, I came back to my senses when I told myself, you are right, Avic. In the real world, you won't have the luxury of two hours for a case to be decided, but be realistic. You do have the right time right now while studying to take advantage really of this sufficient time that you have for you to really have an in-depth analysis and to really train your mind to make a logical decision. So this time I will demonstrate the creation of a decision tree in this dilemma narrative I found in the internet. In a decision tree, the decision starts from the left and moves to the right where you will see the decision outcomes. Here at the left side, I start with a square and the square applies to a decision node, meaning a decision has to be made. There are no probabilities. Either you do it or you don't do it. I draw two lines coming out of that square. The first line is slanted towards the northeast. So it is the line to the right slanted upwards. And the decision option here is according to the narrative. Use the water to start the pump and don't forget to fill the bottle when you're done. Okay. Next, from the same square, which is the decision node, I draw a line towards the southeast or to the right slanted downwards. This is like I'm facilitating it for the ones who are going to hear it from my podcast. I'm just like trying to be graphic with it in my description. So here is the other possibility, which is ignore the instruction and just drink the water. So let's focus on the second option because it is simpler. There is no probability issuing from that decision. So let's draw an arrow. To the far right, which is really just near the margin already, this is the location of the decision outcomes. So what will really happen is the decision maker will satisfy his thirst from 100% of the content of the container and won't be able to refill it because there is no other available for the pump to work. So now let's go to the other decision option. Use this water to start the pump. What probability will I attach to the fact that the pump will work with the water in the bottle? So perhaps you will ask me, wait, Abik, does the story say that there is a probability? My answer is no, but I'm using a bounded rationality concept, which comes from Herbert Simon, the author of Administrative Behavior, the study of decision-making process in administrative organizations. So it's a classic management book. And bounded rationality is the opposite of perfect rationality. So I don't really have complete information that the water pump works, but by the looks of it, it seems to work because perhaps the container or the bottled water seems newly refilled, etc. I could really just come up with some possibilities using my observation. So really, I can have my guess. But I cannot be 100% sure. I could make a leap of faith, like in the story, and I can voluntarily assign 100% to the possibility that the pump will work and it will give me more water. But the reality is that even if the message comes from my best friend, but she has not pumped anything all her life, then I won't assign 100% outcome. But at the moment, if I were the man in the narrative, I am not in my best friend's house. I just found this hut in the middle of the desert. I think I could put some probability. So from the decision option of using the water in the container to start the pump, I will draw a circle or a chance node 
where we will show some possibilities of the outcome occurring. So I will put 50-50 probabilities. Hence, from the circle, you see it comes out a fine uh, line slanted to the northeast. I assign a 50% chance that there's going to be water from the pump. And then to the line slanted downwards southeast, I will assign a 50% possibility that no water will come out. So if the water comes out, then I would satisfy my thirst just 50% of the time and I could refill the water. Let me see. What would be my decision considering this decision tree? Can you make a guess? First of all, if I care for myself alone and I do not care for the next stranger to come, I will choose the second option. I will ignore the instruction and I will just drink the water. If I care for the short-term results only and I won't think of how much travel lies ahead, how much more water I need, I will also ignore the message. So here you will see that if you don't care for the others, or you are thinking short-term of your own results, you are not caring for yourself also, you are not thinking of getting the provisions for the next travel ahead, for your subsequent walk in the desert. You're not going to work on the pump, you're just going to ignore the instruction and consume all the water in the container. However, if I follow the first option, which is use the water to start the pump, I will only have the 50% probability of satisfying my thirst, and 50% possibility of leaving water for the next stranger to come along. So it would seem that it's also not a right decision. So tip number one to make the right decision is get yourself out of the two-option decisional situation as soon as possible. You have to be more creative. At the same time, because life is really not presenting two options alone and always. It's not always an either-or situation. For example, you can be pushed to deciding to enroll in an online business course, you'll pay $997 when the message from the person is either pursue your passion or get stuck in your 9 to 5 work. But the reality could be that you cannot afford to resign from your job and you don't have financial resources to last you for 3 months, so you could start using your weekends to pursue your passion and keep using your weekdays in your 9 to 5 job. So it's really not an either or situation, it could be a combination. I pursue my passion on the weekends. Okay? Some writers would call these two option cases as a false dilemma fallacy. When there are actually more options available, if you only take the time and the creativity to search for more options. Some writers would say life is not black or white. Life is many shades of color. Tip number one is really avoid extreme decision options. If I am not ready to make a decision yet because I think there's got to be more options, then I read the case again. I read the story to confirm if the instruction included the fact that I have to use all of the water to start the pump. Okay, so what I'm going to do is find an opening for another option. And in the decision tree, what I will do right now is I will draw another line for my third option, the middle ground option. Okay, so it just says, drink a little water, use most of the water to start the pump. The result from that action is I am hydrated. And you might ask, is that enough that you sip a little bit of the water to be hydrated? Mm, for me, the thing is when I am very thirsty and there's not much water, then every little sip is like heaven already. So in that sense, I am satisfied. So from this decision, I will draw a line and a circle and 50-50 probabilities, either the pump works or it does not work. Either water comes out or no water will come out. But the outcomes will be concentrated on whether I could refill the bottle for the next stranger to come along. Okay? So... 
basically, there I will not attach any probabilities on whether I will be satisfied or not because I already drank a little bit of the water. I remember a story just to break the seriousness of what we're saying here. You know, I come from Malolos, which was not yet a city then, very rustic place. And in our house, we have a water pump. The ground floor has the kitchen, but you still need to pump the water. In the Tagalog dialect, or even in the Filipino language of the country, the water pump is called bomba ng tubig, right? So I got used to that in my 20s, I'm still uh, using the bomba ng tubig. About two decades from uh, leaving my hometown, I started living in the city and one big excursion in an island where there's really just one little hut and just a water pump. So after the swimming, I really had the initiative to pump the water so that we'll have water to cook because we cannot get that from the beach water, right? So I had the initiative, I'll pump the water. But I actually said that in Tagalog. I said, magbobomba na ako, which really surprised, and probably it might have surprised you. For those of you who know Filipino, it's quite different. <laughs> it has a different meaning. So all of the people in the excursion, they said, stop it, Abig. So I said, why? Don't we need the water? Only later on, of course, it's a, just a very short second that I realized that when you say magbobomba na ako, it's a nudity language. Okay, so enough of my stories. So here in the decision tree, you will see three options instead of two. And to ignore the instruction was a wrong decision. And the first option to use the water for the pump is not even satisfactory. So that's the reason why I created a third option of sipping a little water just to give me energy to do some water pumping. And I am happier and satisfied with this newly created option, especially if the outcome is there is water from the pump the first possibility, and I could refill the water container. If water did not come out of the pump, I would not be as guilty as when I debarred all water from the container, which is in the second option of ignoring the instruction. You see, for me, in the middle ground, just a sip to quench my thirst will give me energy to start pumping the water. So tip number two to make the right decision is include yourself and your well-being in your decision criteria. The decision criteria are really the areas for consideration. In our case, it's whoever wrote the instructions. We want to follow him or her. We are only the guests in the hut. So we also consider the next stranger who will come along. And in the third newly created option, I included my own satisfaction of my thirst, first of all. I sipped a little water, which is the middle ground between taking all the water and not drinking anything at all, using all the water for the water pump. So in that case, I cared for myself first because having come from days in the desert and I am dying of thirst, I have zero energy to work on the water pump, but I am not so selfish to just drink it all. Just a sip of water will satisfy me. I have seen many wrong decisions when the decision maker puts herself least in the priority or she does not include herself. Like, for example, a well-meaning career woman would work herself to death to feed her family, losing sleep, not eating the right kind of food, not eating on time. I have many examples like this in my work-life balance videos. I created a playlist in this channel on work-life balance. I encourage you to listen to those. And to these people who are so selfless that they would really die as martyrs for work-life conflicts, I would say, I would normally say it in Tagalog because it sounded better, but I would say it here. I would tell them, you know, our national hero, Jose Rizal, is depicted in a monument in Luneta Park 
And you will see that that monument has little space for other martyrs like you. Okay? So my main idea in saying that to the people in the audience is for them not to make themselves martyrs unnecessarily. So not to die young when you put your health and your life in danger with unhealthy lifestyle or work style and a lot of overtime and stress at work. So really, tip number two of including your well-being in your decision equation is really thinking of your own survival. Like for an employee, for example, who has allowed herself to be like a punching bag of her colleagues, bullying words and actions, I said to her, the options are not limited to either resigning or not resigning from your company. First, she might find other bullies in her future company or companies, and she will not learn to deal with the bullies now. Then, in that case, she won't be prepared to deal with the bullies that she will meet in the future. So, I advise her immediately think first how to protect yourself from the current bullying. And if her option is to resign, this is my advice to her to think also if she loves her work, which is not the same as the people she works with who bullies her. The question to consider about job satisfaction is, will she ever find another job that she will like? Again, let's separate the work from the other realities like the office mates bullying her. Also, I told her to consider her professional relationship with her supervisor, who is not one of the bullies. Will she easily find someone like that supervisor in the future? And lastly, I suggested to her to think of her current customers. If she resigns, what is the possibility that the customer she loves and she serves will not be reassigned to the office mates who are bullies? My conclusion in this case that can help us think of the right decision is the person who wants to resign is giving up many good things that could actually be helping her to survive the workplace, even with the presence of the bullies. But then again, she has to think of other options rather than giving up the good things by just the option of resign or not resign. So at the minimum, as regards number two of including your survival or your well-being in the design equation is this. The right decision is that which does not make you a worse person or put yourself in a worse situation after the decision at the minimum. So for the man in the desert, option one is putting himself at risk 50% of the time. If he entered the hut with 2% energy left, what would happen to him if he pours all the water into the pump and start pumping? He would die in the process of pumping. Perhaps it won't work, not because of the pump, but he did not have the sufficient energy with the pump, no? Pull up and pull down the pump. So the option number two of ignoring the instruction will actually make him less thirsty, but will also make him selfish, not thinking of the next stranger that will come along. For the employee who is being bullied, the option to resign is to escape without any guarantee that similar ones won't appear in the next companies. And she would not be prepared to deal with the next set of bullies that will come along her life. So deciding for this is giving in to cowardice or to despair that the bullies will never change or they will never be scolded, reprimanded, punished in such a way that they will multiply their race. Do you agree with that? The option not to resign without protecting herself or thinking of her survival is really like entering the lion's den every day you go to work. Like saying, bring it on, you tell the lions or the bullies. You could turn into someone really who likes being hurt, and that is not a normal desire in life, right? 
or you could find a middle ground solution that will satisfy your other criteria of continuing the good relationship with your supervisor or your customers if this is your case. So really, think hard of the other options that will not make you worse after the decision, or perhaps if possible, think hard of that solution that could even make you a better person. Tip number three in making a right decision has somewhat been covered in what I have mentioned about the next stranger to come along in that hut, also in search of water. The decision maker must think of other persons who will be affected by the future actions ensuing from the decision. The question that you might think is, will the next stranger be grateful that you really thought long and hard to be able to provide him with water? It does not really matter. What matters is that the decision maker took the effort to think of that next stranger. The right decision does not depend on the outcomes on other persons. It really depends on how the decision maker learns to include the outcomes for the other people in his or her decision making process. So the goal is not to be a worse person after the decision is made and all the action plans implemented. The goal is really not to be liked or to be thanked for after you have done a good deed. Each decision is an opportunity to have a wider vision of reality. And the reality is our actions affect other people. And also, each decision presents the freedom to choose to be a better person. Each decision holds a space for you to become a better version of yourself. Okay, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Decisive Life. If you liked it, take a screenshot of this podcast, share it, and the link to this episode to three of your friends today. Post it in social media and use the hashtag The Decisive Life. Until the next episode, my friend, be good. Be good.